Pastor Sharon for inviting me to come over. Really appreciate the chance to visit. I have a little bit of a, a joke and a disclaimer right off the bat. Um, a lot of times people think I'm a minister, but I'm not. And so if you're disappointed, uh, you can leave early. But I'm a lawyer. And, um, and there is a similarity between me and a minister in a general way. I'm pretty friendly and approachable. And you can talk to me. And I keep secrets. And I, I am friendly, like a minister. But unlike a lawyer anymore, I don't bill people. And uh, I have found that they like that. But I'm here to let you know that, that the conference office does provide estate planning services for all of the church members. If you have questions about doing a will or maybe a power of attorney, guardianship for small kids, those kinds of things, we'd love to talk to you. If, uh, if you've got a plan in mind, you know, I want to take care of myself, I want to take care of my family, but... Beyond that, when I'm done with this life, I've got a plan to help the work of the church in, in eastern Washington. We'd love to help you with that kind of program. And so that's a little bit about uh, what I do now. I, I wanted to share with you today some of the interesting things that I found as I read through the beginning part of my mom's old Bible here. And uh, I am really intrigued by the, the program that you have where you talk about getting started at the end of each service. And I think what I have to share fits with that today because if you're like me, it's sometimes hard to get started with the Word. The book sits there on a shelf. It's looks black and kind of intimidating and there's a lot of big words in there and you're tired right at the end of the day maybe the kids are not feeling well maybe there's trouble at work and it's so easy to to get a phone out and, and check Instagram and see if anybody liked my recent post and it's colorful and it's attractive and I can screen through, scroll through but I'm here to tell you today that, that God's word is like that too. It just takes time. And one of the best tips that I ever got from a friend at church is the one I want to share with you at the beginning today as it relates to getting started. Anytime that I read something in God's word or if I look at a story in there, I ask myself three questions. Okay? And this is what I invite you to try and that's what I'm going to do today as we go through this story. I ask myself, number one, where, where is God in that story? Where, where do I see God in that text? Okay, that's number one. Number two, do I see myself in there? Is there something that kind of rings a bell with me as I read that verse or as I read that story? And then lastly, number three, what difference does it make? Here I am. 2019, December 7, 2019, in Tri-Cities, Washington, what difference does that verse make? What difference does that story make to me today? Well, here's a, here's a story I'd like to go through with you. I just love this. Um, I got Mom's Bible out after several years. You know, you don't throw these things away. They should, you can't throw a Bible away, but Mom's gone. And it sat there on the shelf, and, and I, 
I got to thinking, well, you know, it's a Revised Standard Version. I've never read that kind. I'll, I'll read this one. And I didn't get far, I'm here to tell you. I was in Genesis 24, and that's where I want to start today. Genesis 24, verse 1, it says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham said to his servants, the oldest of his house, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my plow. I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land which you came? Verse 6, uh, Abraham says to him, See to it. See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth and who spoke to me and swore to me, through your descendants I will give this land, that God will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. Verse 9 says, So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Do I see God in those first few verses of that story? You know, I, I looked at this this morning, and where I want you to, to look, where I look this morning, I see God, obviously, in the part that says that God blessed Abraham. And I started thinking about the word blessed. It's not one that we use very often, uh, at least in a purposeful way. People say, I, I bless you. And we're a little bit more familiar, right, with cursing, which I think of as the opposite of a blessing. But I got to thinking, well, where else does the Bible talk about blessing? And I, I didn't have to go far back to Genesis 1. And... Um, in looking right away there, God is creating the earth, and there's light, and there's air, and there's land, and so forth and so on. And he gets to the, the day where he says in Genesis 1, verse 20, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth. So the fish and the birds day, basically. Are you with me? God created the, the birds and the fish, and Genesis 1, 22, says God saw that it was good and God blessed them. He blessed the birds and he blessed the fish. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply in the earth. And I thought, well, that's a little bit of a clue to me about what blessing is all about. It's something good. God wants it for his creatures. It goes on to say, by the way, that he wanted to bless us when he created us as well. And yet I, I paused on the bird thing because there's something about the blessings that Abraham had that I, I noticed as I studied this. The, the Bible says that Abraham was blessed by God in all things. Not just here and there, once in a while, but all things. And 
what I thought about is I thought about birds being blessed. I thought, well, what is this birds? How are birds blessed? I don't know a lot about birds, but I do know this. They fly in pace lines like I do with a bicycle behind my friends who are faster and stronger than I am. I'm behind them because it's easier to pedal. And I thought, wow, okay, birds are, they seem kind of generous and sharing in that way. But I also thought about this, uh, a bird and a mom and a dad bird in a nest. They're taking care of the babies, and there's no benefit in that. They don't get paid for that. Uh, the kids don't do anything for them. They, they have to go find food and bring it back to the nest. That's a lot of work. And so what does it mean to be blessed? God says, bless the birds. It's not in the traditional way that you might think. I'm blessed because my bank account is big. I'm blessed because I rolled into church this morning in a, in a Porsche. I didn't. Um, but now you know what Santa hopefully can bring to me at Christmas. It, 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 a blessing has something to do with helping others. And in fact, when God promised Abraham that he blessed him, this is over in Genesis 12. Again, we started out with the idea he was blessed in all things, all right. Well, God promised him in Genesis 12 that he would do that. And listen to what he said he would do it for, why he would do it. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that, so that you will be a blessing. Not, not so that I'll make your name great and have a lot of stuff and you can be happy and secure in those things. No, I will bless you so that you can bless others. So when the Bible says there at the beginning here, Abraham was blessed in all things, I think of it in a very large sense. He had a lot of stuff. He was wealthy, but his neighbors thought very highly of him. If you look in the chapter before this, uh, when, his, when his wife Sarah died and all the neighbors were uh, mourning with him, they talk about him as being a great and mighty prince in their neighborhood. So he, he had money, as we picture money, but he was also healthy and well-respected by his neighbors. And, um, and I think of those things as blessings as well. That's where I see God in that first section there. Well, what about me? We're trying to be on a formula here. Where do I see me? I'm coming to uh, a slide or two here. I'm going to press this one here in just a minute. Um, I tell you what, I see myself with this servant, whose name, by the way, is Eliezer. It's not listed here, but you know that from other parts of Genesis. Eliezer is a, is a lawyer type of person because when Abraham tells him, go home, where I used to live, don't be looking around here for a wife or my son, go home. The servant says a very practical thing like a lawyer would. It asks a question, well, what if, if the girl isn't willing to go, right? Um, he doesn't say, well, I, what if I can't find her? What, what do you mean there's going to be a girl there? Well, how am I supposed to do that? No, he knows there will be. And his very first question is, what if she won't go? And so... Along the way today, we're doing a little geography. There's a lesson from the world of crime to look forward to. And then thirdly, thirdly, there's a math quiz. I saw some younger people in the back there, so there's a math quiz coming up. 
But here's the geography lesson. Going home was no simple thing. Hamlet's living down there on the lower left side of this map. The biggest print is Egypt, so it's a little bit north of Egypt there, but it was way down there near Hebron, Beersheba, way down on the lower left there. And home, see way up there at the top, Haran and Mesopotamia? That's where home was. And if you look on the scale there, that's like five, six hundred miles away. I did a little checking. Where from Pasco is 500 miles? Well, if you're going to California in a car, which is a miserable trip, it's like Winnemucca, right? If you go down the Central Way, that is 500 miles. Imagine taking a camel, riding a camel from Pasco to Winnemucca and beyond a long time ago. I mean, is there, is there going to be a, uh, like a police officer to help you if you get in trouble? What if somebody wants to rob you? What if the camel gets sick? What if you get sick? What if you get lost? Um, no GPS. This is a big trip. And so Abraham says, go back there. And um, I like it that the, 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 the servant says, well, wait, wait. What if, what if I go there and I meet her and she's, she's the one, all right, and I say, well, hey, uh, uh, I got this guy. You're going to love him. And uh, he's, he only lives 500 miles from here, and you only have to ride on this camel with me. I know you haven't met me before, but come on, it'll be great. You know, leave your home. You're, you're never going to see your mom and dad and your, your family again, but this will be great. Come with me. You know, so he's saying, what boss, basically, what, what's going to happen if she says no? If she says no, should I take your son back there? Right? That's what he says. And that is where I am just struck by what Abraham says, and this is the title, in a way, of this talk. See to it, in this version, Abraham says in verse 6, that you do not take my son back there. And we'll come to that, because third point, you know, what does this part of the story make to us in 2019, right? I'm thinking, okay, this is a long time ago. Here's my thought on this. Um, Abraham invites us to remember that it is never a good idea to compromise. He knows there's plenty of girls down there in the new neighborhood near Hebron, Beersheba, all that. But they're not the right girl. God does not want his son to marry among the people there. He wants a girl from home who has the same outlook as, as he does and as does. And so very clearly Abraham is on track here by saying, don't you dare go back there. God told me come here and leave your home and I'll bless you down there. So don't go back. Don't go be, don't be backtracking. We're here. We're here to stay. If you can't, if the girl won't come down here, that's fine. But don't take my son back there. Don't compromise. Plan B I take from this what does this mean to me, this story today? Don't compromise. And a lot of times we'll know what that is, right? We'll know what the right thing is, and, and you'll know it in your heart. But there'll be voices or forces that are tempting you. Do something else. Oh, you know, this isn't working out. And I'm thinking about this, God. I, you must want me to do something else, right? You must want me to compromise. No, Abraham is very clear about that. Well, let's try it with one more section here. 
and one more section after that, starting in verse 10, picking up this story, um, and there is that legal thing about putting your hand under somebody's thigh. We won't really get into too much detail about that, but I tell you what, you know, we talk in, in, in the legal field about powers of attorney, and uh, those things are not effective typically after the person dies, but the sense of this promise, this, this literal promise, these people are touching each other in a, in a really weird way that we would never do nowadays, but it is meant to impress on the person who's doing the promise for you, this is really serious. We, I don't just do this about a grocery list, you know, going to store. I am really serious about this. And even if I'm dead, I am really old. If I'm dead, I still want you to do this. This is super important. So here's the next section, starting with verse 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. Remember, God had blessed him, and so he's got a lot of stuff. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, there it is on the map, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. And he said, Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, grant me success today, I pray thee, and show steadfast love my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the maiden to whom I shall say, pray, let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say to me, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. By this I shall know that thou hast shown steadfast love my master. Okay? So where do I see God in that? I see him in a couple of places, and you do too, and maybe more than I do this morning. He had a safe trip. The 500 and 600 miles, whatever it was, it was a safe trip. And just like Abraham knew, here's a verse you might want to underline someday over in Exodus 20. Verse 20. Abraham knew this was true, but Moses said it, and it's in your Bible, and you can underline it. Exodus 23 20 says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. I mean, I love that promise. Guard you on the way. I'll keep you safe. Got a plan for us today on our way home from New Movement. I will guard you on the way. I'm going to send an angel to do that, a literal angel. And not just to keep you safe in general, but to take you to the place where I want you to go. And I'm thinking today, well, where is that exactly? Is it you know, back home right away? Is there somebody I need to talk to? Where is that? Well, God has a plan, and it's, it's going to be followed out. The angel is going to go ahead of you. And so I see him there in that way. I also see him, obviously, the, the servant is praying to him, right? God is right there in the story there. And it's interesting that the prayer says, hey, God, uh, would you do this for me? Because my boss will be really glad, and I'll get a raise, and I'll be really happy about it. I just want that raise at work. No, he says, I want you, God, to do this for my servant, for my master, sorry, Abraham, so that I will know that you have shown love 
to him. Isn't that weird to think about? One of the songs this morning was about reckless love. God is chasing after us, and he's after the characters in this story, too. He wants a relationship with us. And, and the servant gets it, and the servant knows that if this works out, and if, if, if we find the right girl here, I will know that God loves my boss way to look at that. Uh, well, where do I see me in this part of the story? Where do you see you? I hope you're thinking that very same question. Uh, this is where the life of crime, the illustration from the world of crime, um, press the right button. Here we go. Anybody ever heard of this fellow? Um, I was reminded of this because I saw me in the story a little bit. I thought, boy, I would hope I would be that intentional and that smart about setting up a test about where to go. If I roll into town, I've, I haven't even been to town before. I'm from 500 miles away. I'm supposed to find a girl. Where do you find this girl exactly? And I love it that he goes to the well at the time of the evening, verse 11, when the women come out to draw water. Well, culturally, all the guys are sitting around uh, eating, perhaps, or talking about politics and news, and all the ladies are out working. But Eliezer knows that, and he, he says, I, that's where I'm going. I'm looking for a girl. I'm not looking for political talk today or business advice. I, I want to find this girl. Hey, this is the time of night. I'm going to go to the well. That's where the ladies are at this time of the day. So I love the practicality of that. I, I defended a lot of DUI charges in the past in my life as a, a lawyer, and every now and then clients would say, well, man, this is, isn't this entrapment? I mean, the police sat outside the bar, and they watched for me to leave, and then I only got a block or two away, and they stopped my car. Isn't that entrapment? And I would explain to them that, no, you know, the, the, the police went out in the middle of uh, well, where is it from Pasco? I don't know here. If they went out in the country somewhere, they wouldn't find anybody. They do go where crime tends to occur, and then they kind of keep their eyes open. And so we'd have those discussions about entrapment or not. But also a little more specifically from the, the history of crime is picture of Willie Sutton here. He's a famous bank robber, if you know him, if you know that name. And uh, he was famously successful at it. Kind of looks like an accountant there, really. You don't think he looks like an outlaw, does he? But he was really successful at it for a while until the, the law caught up with him. And so he was in jail, and a reporter went to talk to him, as I understand the story, and they printed up the story in the magazine at the time called the Saturday Evening Post. Anyway, the interviewer was anxious to know, well, wh why did he do this? Why did he live this life? Why did he make these choices and, and then rob all these banks? I bet, you, I bet you some mortgage got foreclosed against his parents. He's really mad at banks. Or I bet maybe, no, I bet he had a girlfriend who was a, a banker family type of girl, and she did something wrong to him. I bet he's mad about that. So I'm going to ask him, why did you do this? So the reporter goes to the jail, and there's Willie behind bars. And then the question comes, so, why, you, why did you rob banks? And the tone of it doesn't really 
translate from the, the print of the story, but you can hear Willie almost saying, duh, I go and rob banks because that's where the money is. Right? That's, that's where the money is. And I couldn't help but think of that when I thought of Eliezer. He's going to the well. That's where the girls are. I'm going to find a girl. I love the practicality of that. Well, what difference does this part of the story make for us today? I like the idea that God did purposely guard Eliezer on the way. He did exactly what Exodus 23, 20 says. He, he brought him to the very place that he needed to be in a safe way. And the master and the servant both know this is about God's love. This isn't about getting rich or finding uh, just any old gal. So here's the last section uh, of this story for today, starting with verse 15. Remember, Eliezer is praying in verse 14. Verse 15 says, Before he had done speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to the pool, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar upon her shoulder. The maiden was very fair to look upon. A virgin whom no man had known, she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Pray, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw for your camels also until they have done drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Well, where is God in, uh, in that section of the story? The very... The very person in mind is there. And, and even before the prayer is over, it, it, it's as, and he's thinking this in his mind. I love this too, by the way. You don't have to say a prayer out loud. God can hear your prayer when you're speaking quietly to yourself. Uh, the servant is not speaking out loud. He's praying quietly. And before the prayer is even over, God knows what we need. We don't have, he doesn't have to be persuaded. He does not have to be explained to. He knows it. And as soon as we're in the right mood and as soon as we ask, he's ready to help out. I just love that part about, about this and the success of this story. And then in terms of uh, where I see myself or where maybe you see yourself here, I tell you what, I would love to be as helpful generous and practical as Rebecca was, right? I mean, this is, this is uh, a lot of work. You got to go from house down the hill, wherever it may be, to the well. You got to carry something to carry the water in. That's probably not plastic back then. It's probably some heavy pottery jar thing. And you're not just getting a drink for yourself. You're there to get water for the whole household. It's a chore. And here's this stranger sitting around the well, never seen him before. He's got a bunch of camels with him. And he's interrupting her. And he's asking a favor. And he does put it really nicely. He says, can I just have a little drink of water from your jar? 
But she's generous. She doesn't say, ah, go away. You know, I don't even know who you are. Forget it. Go get your own drink. Right? She doesn't say that. And in fact, to set up a pretty tricky task here, not only does she let him have a drink, she says, well, I see you got some camels there. Um, I bet you need some water for those guys. Hey, I'll go get the water. Here's the math question for some of you who have been watching and listening to this. How much, how much do you suppose a camel can drink? I see a couple of young people back there. Any guesses about how much water a camel can drink? Let me hear a number. I see a couple younger people here. And even if you're not young, give me a guess. How many? One camel, really thirsty, 80? A little bit high. Um, my research to the effect of the number was around 50. 50 gallons, okay? But 80 is not, uh, not too far off. 50 gallons. Okay, so here's the next question. How much does one gallon of water weigh? 8.3, okay? So now I know there's some calculators out there. How many camels did Eliezer have with him? 10. 10 times 50 times 8.3. What's that number? 4,000, I think, 180 now, that assumes, right, the camels were running on empty. No guy does that. They drive their car. They always fill up about halfway, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't wait till it's empty. But maybe he did. Maybe there's, there's no water necessarily from here to there. You have to, be, you have to be careful about that. But if they were really thirsty, it could have been 4,000 pounds. The other day, my wife, Lana, wanted some stuff from Home Depot. And... Uh, all these bricks, basically, right? So I take the truck down there, and I get them all loaded in the back. And, and uh, I was looking at the sign. I think each one was 60 pounds. She wanted 10 or 15 of those. Back end of the truck went way down, the front kind of up in the air. And I thought, man, it's a lot of work. So I get home with all of them, and they helped me at the store, which was nice. I didn't have to load them up, but I had to take them out when I got home, and I had to take them into the backyard. I thought of Rebecca calling water. This isn't a turn on the tap deal, right? The well is separate from the trough where the camels drink. You got to go get the water. Maybe you got to go dip it out of some hole in the ground and bring it up and then put it in your jar and then put it on your shoulder and then go over to the trough. And You can see how that would be a lot of work. And I just thought, man, this girl is healthy. She's generous. She is She's observant. She's friendly. You know, you go to the grocery store nowadays, and, and people don't even look up at you. I, I used to work in one, and they, they told us not to do this. You know, you're supposed to be friendly with people. Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. And then you ring up the groceries. But a lot of times I go in, and they basically, they'll say, paper or plastic, right? Or they'll say, Washington or Oregon. Hey, how about a greeting? You know, how about... Hi, how are you doing? How's your day going? Stand, stand, stand. No, it's not like that. Well, Rebecca's the opposite. It's as if she said, hey, you know, I noticed your car's kind of dirty this morning. Would you mind if we wash it while you're shopping here at the store? I mean, I'd be glad to wash the car for you. That's the kind of girl she was. And, and yet, 
The, the writer of the story is probably a guy because what is the first thing that it says here about her? Behold, she's fair to look upon. So she's good looking. And it, 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 that was not part of the test, right? The, the, the servant and Abraham didn't say, now make sure she's real hot. Or what, I don't know. No, and, and he didn't say, and make sure she's really religious. Go to church, find somebody who knows their Bible, frontwards and forwards. No, no. Find somebody who is willing to help somebody else. And think of others first, right? Not themselves. Wow, I got to get water for mom and dad. But hey, here's this guy with all these camels. They look really thirsty. Oh, 4,000 pounds, I can do it. I'm tough, you know? I'll do that. I'll, I'll haul that up. Bring it in. Well, what difference does that story make uh, to us, that section of the story in 2019? I'm just struck by the idea that no matter what day it is, if God has plans for us and the angels are out and about making sure we get to the right place, we don't even even know what important events are lying ahead. Think Rebecca, you know, she wakes up in the morning, it's another day, got to go to the well with the ladies, chat, 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 it's going to be uneventful, right? No. There's a guy there with the camels, and it leads to the next step in the story. She does agree to go home. She does meet Isaac. They get married, and and the Bible story continues on. There's a really wonderful part of this story that illustrates, to me anyway, the, the meaningfulness of this for now and for 2019 for us. It's funny when you read this, if you do yourself, there's a whole repeat of the whole story because uh, she says she invites him up to the house and uh, he meets the family and they say, oh, hey, uh, you look like you might be hungry, let's eat. And he says, wait. I got to tell you why I'm here and how this works out. He's so excited. He just cannot, he doesn't want to eat. He wants to tell how it has worked out. I, I asked this prayer. It was a really tricky test. And then along comes Rebecca, and she did exactly what uh, I prayed about. And, and, the, and the part that I want to find here um, is what the, the brother and the dad say. Because uh, once they put the question to her, hey, you know, you want to go with this guy? Um, uh, there's, a, there's a part of this. I hope I can find this here. I don't have it marked. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Genesis 24, verse 50. The brother and the dad... Are, uh, are talking about the effect of this. And, and, and basically, all these are the same. Well, will you let her go? Will you let her come home with me to, to meet Isaac? And verse 50, chapter 24 says, Laban and Bethuel answered, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. In other words, th- this story is so marvelous. God is at work here. We're, we're not even going to try to weigh in on the question. The thing comes from the Lord. We can't speak good or bad about it. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. 
I like that idea that um, wake up. I, I have no idea what may be ahead, but I hope that I'm living up to some of the ideals anyway that, uh, that Rebecca was and Abraham and his servant were, that they, they are looking for a way to bless others. Um, the birds and the fish were blessed first in Genesis, and I, I thought about that. Jesus says, you know, the birds don't have bank, bank accounts. They, they don't do that. They don't save up money and say, I'm a, I'm a better bird than you because look, look how I got here today, right? No, they, they bless others in other ways. That's the kind of person I hope to be. Thank you for your attention this morning. I'm going to turn it back to Becky in terms of um, the next step in your service. I um, know that uh, we try to loop back to this idea about getting started. You know, next time you're looking at the Bible and you're thinking, oh, I'm too tired. Uh, let me just look at my phone for a few minutes and go to bed. I've got too many problems. Spend some time with it. It's, it's so worthwhile. The more that you spend, the more that you see here that's useful and beneficial, I think, for everyone living.